0: Welcome to Stand Alone. I'm Sabrina Lloyd, founder and CEO of Lloyd Agencies, a multi-million dollar company that ranks as one of the most successful in the insurance industry. My passion is empowering people to become the leaders that they were meant to be. With each episode, I'll teach you how to go from ordinary to extraordinary, how to think like no one else, how to stand alone. It's time we create massive success for ourselves. Okay, welcome everyone. So in today's episode of Stand Alone, we have a special guest, Jessica Higdon. So Jessica is an author, a speaker, a coach, a marketing expert, which we all need help with marketing because we live in a hyper marketing world. Um, Share the stage with Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Robert Kiyosaki, Richard Branson, you know, your expertise in moving from the corporate world to really becoming and learning the ropes of what it takes to be an entrepreneur is what we'll focus on today, Jessica. And I just wanna say thank you for being here. And for a lot of people today, you know, this is a really big thing that we have access to, right? The internet has opened up so many pathways, so many doors for us that necessarily wasn't there before, or we didn't know. And so for a lot of people today that are thinking, you know, as your book states, I want more time, I want more money, I want more freedom, you know, if we can dissect this today, but I want to kick this off by something that you said, when you started working, you know, in the corporate world, and you said you were at the mercy of corporate politics and vindictive managers, right? Right. What what created this, uh, you know, this feeling inside of you that you then made a decision to act on and where has that got you today that allows you to coach people to also do the same? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be
1: here and excited. And yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people experience when they know that they're meant for big things or meant for more. Um, when you do really well at your job, other people start to take note of that. And based on their uh, level of um, self-development or level of insight, they either try and tear you down because they're nervous they're going to lose their job, or you're going to replace them in some way, or they're just jealous, or um, they build you up and, and they're a great Um, support system for you and what I've, at least through my own experience in working for a corporation, um, most people are not a great support system in that environment because you're all vying for the same thing. You all want to rise the ladder and, and get to that position. And so what ended up happening for me was I started performing well. That's all I did. I just started performing better. And instead of being praised and um, promoted, which is what I was looking for at that time, I was um, chastised and told that I had a terrible performance review because I was late uh, one Tuesday, three weeks ago. And I was like, wait a minute, I just brought in all these sales into the store. What what happened here? And that was a wake-up call for me. And I started reflecting on just my energy and how I was feeling in general working there and I was I was just run down every day and I I felt like every like I said I felt like everything was a competition nobody was supporting me and I felt like everybody was just all had the same goal but nobody was really acting on it so they were all complaining all the time and it wasn't a good environment and that made me feel at first depressed Let's just be honest at first, a little depressed, um, then angry, then empowered, like, okay, I can do something about this. I can find something else or some other vehicle that can help me to, to get out of this situation. And so if you don't make it past the anger stage or the depression stage, that's really where people get into trouble. And then they just take the easy path or take their foot off the gas and say, okay, I'm just going to stick it out because that's the easy way to go. And I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that.
0: Yeah. And, and it really, it paid off tremendously, you know, for a lot of people that are in these um, environments where it's a corporate environment, the reason why being an entrepreneur is linked to freedom is because we create things, right? If there's only a certain amount of spots to fill a certain amount of titles, then it can get very dog eat dog. And when you come into this world of, you know, commission sales, when you come into this world of, you know, being in business for yourself, you start to understand you're not really competing with anyone because you're creating your own space in the marketplace, which I love. And you, you share in your book, this thing about, you know, the criteria for the company that you go and attach yourself with. And I love this because you break this down into leadership community, culture, and training, you know? So if we could touch on, you know, why you have to have the right culture that supports more growth. On my team, I say, when you're losing, everything hurts. When you're winning, nothing hurts. And what really happened in that moment is, you know, your spirit felt like it was losing. You know, you felt like you were suffocating. And so what happens to a lot of people, especially in today's world, they have their spirit not being fulfilled. So then everything around them starts to not feel good. And then work becomes this thing that we don't want to do. Meanwhile, when you become an entrepreneur, you and I know You got to work harder. You got to do more, but it's fulfilling because you're doing it from a winning position. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more about the importance of having the right culture to feed your spirit so that you can continue to win? Absolutely. You're totally speaking
1: my language. Um, I mean, we, we as human beings are achievement driven. And so when you, when you venture out and become an entrepreneur culture isn't, doesn't mean that you have to have, you know, a ton of employees or a ton of contractors that you're, you're training or whatever culture can simply start with you and how you're showing up every day and who you want to become. And when you start achieving things, it it does, it feeds your soul. It feeds your soul because, you know, you did that and, and you were able to create more and help more people. And, when you do start, if you do choose to grow a team, everything starts again with you. So when you decide, okay, I'm ready to venture out into that entrepreneurial realm, understanding exactly what you want from that is key. And what I found is in the beginning, it starts with, I want a bigger house. I want a car. I want just to be able to pay my bills. And and that's okay because when you are in survival mode, that it's okay to have those goals. But ultimately, as we all know, it's it ends up being, I wanna make an impact in whatever that means for you and for everybody that's different. When you start from that place and you realize that really people who make money and who have successful businesses, really what they do is serve a purpose or a need and they're serving people. And you start from that place from the beginning, things actually happen faster for you, which is why culture is so important. And so for us, for example, at the Higdon Group, one of our our, our top core value is people always feel appreciated. And that's our customers, our clients, our staff, everybody. People always feel appreciated because you don't know if somebody had a bad day that day and they're just taking it out on you, has nothing to do with you. And so, and we wanna spread that throughout the world. So what does that mean for you and when you start with culture, that can actually help you to expand your own line of products, your service, how you're going to actually make money. And people think the two are disconnected and it's not important to have great culture, at least in the beginning. If you start there, I promise things will happen faster for you. And, um, and culture is everything. It feeds your soul. As you said, it feeds your, your bank account and it really feeds others. And that's that's what we're all here to do
0: yeah and i love that you work uh, alongside your husband and i think this is a very important thing to discuss and i'd like to get into this with you because in this new economy of people, you know, intermingling home and work, you know, you've got to get your family on your team. You know, when you talk about building culture with yourself, well, if you're married and you really believe that two become one, you've got to get your spouse on your team, you know, and and that could be your greatest advocate for your success. Instead of you competing with one another, you can now integrate you know, their strengths, which could be maybe your weaknesses or vice versa. And then you can really live a heightened, fulfilled life. So if we could talk about this, because it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? You, you, you can take things more personally, but at the same time, if you find, you know, for me, I work with my husband also, we have this baseline of trust that's established and so we really attempt to do everything from that place where we're there to aid one another, not to compete with one another. What would you say uh, would be some great advice for people that are looking to venture on their own, but then they still have to get their family on their team, whether it's you know on the books, on paper, or just to be a raving fan at home that can be there to support them?
1: Yeah, such a good question Um, and it's multifaceted, right? It's not necessarily a simple answer, but I would break it all down to communication and through production, Um, you know, if you communicate the mission that you're on with your spouse and sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's not so easy given conflicts you've had in the past. Um, But most people, they just don't communicate it. If you communicate that mission and then you follow through on what you say, it's much easier for your spouse to get on board. Let's just get real. If you've been telling your spouse for 20 years that things are going to happen and you haven't done, at least made a, a, a solid attempt to make them happen, or you keep you know going this direction and that direction, then understandably so, they're not going to support you. Or they're going to be, they want to support you, but they're going to be hesitant to support you because at the end of the day, you got to put food on the table. And this is where I see a big um, conflict come into place between spouses working together is the one is constantly demanding support while the other one is saying, well, I want to support you, but you got to start with being honest with yourself before you have that communication with your spouse. And so if that's happening to you, Um, And this is just one situation of many, which I'll cover, but if that's happening to you and maybe you've been on the receiving end, or you've been the one who's been, you know, having 10 different ventures that you just didn't make work, have that honest conversation. I know that this is hard for you to support and I understand why. And it's not on you, it's on me, right? That's where the conversation starts, but- this is why this is different and I'm different now and truly mean it and believe it and go for it one last time. And that's usually when I see the big breakthroughs with couples happen in that situation. Um, So that's a big one. And on the other flip side, you know, Ray and I, we've always been, um, doers and implementers, I would say. But for a while, in the beginning, we were competitive. Like you mentioned, competition. You're not in competition. You're a team, and that wasn't on him. That was on me because I had my own um, version and ideals and past trauma of what being super independent meant. And for me, it came out of uh, fear that you know what 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 happens if. We break up or he leaves me i don't i don't want to be left in the dust i don't i have to create my own thing and and it's not ours it's mine and that wasn't healthy and i understand the thinking behind it but it wasn't healthy and when i realized that and i actually realized that hey we're a team we're a family unit i'm you know the feminine energy he's the masculine energy we are a family unit and i know if anything ever happened, we we would figure it out, right? And when we started moving together as a team, it became a freight train versus us constantly being in competition with each other. And when you can support your spouse and be happy for them when they win, and they're happy for you when you win, that's when the magic happens in working together. And I'll, I'll end with this, is that every, you know, every couple isn't necessarily meant to work together and that's okay too sometimes um, couples come to us and say well he wants to do this and i want to do that as long as you're both fulfilled and following your passions relationships can work very well if if you're not in the same company or, or working together um, but if you are going to work together make sure you do it as a team you support each other your win is their win uh, make sure you communicate around roles responsibilities and around the vision. And make sure that you're owning up to your own responsibility and being honest with yourself on what you're doing and not doing. And you know what? When you do that, when you're honest with yourself, the other side, your spouse tends to want to be that way too, even if they haven't been in the past and you resent them for it and you're angry and they need to do this, this and that, let go of all that. Just let go and remember that it starts with you and when you start opening up more, they'll start opening up more. So that's, that's my two cents there.
0: Yeah. I, I love this. And I love that you tie it to like results because when a lot of people think of the word support, they, they think that word comes from, we'll just stick with me through good and bad, you know, but you're given that support, which is the freedom to perform, right. Mm-hmm. You know, that spouse giving you that space that you need to perform, you better perform. You better have results. And and that's what's going to grow that team and that dynamic. And I think also you touching on having a family mission, which is really incredible because that allows you to navigate through the changes, which brings me into the next topic that I know a lot of people are struggling with today. You know, as women venture out into the workforce, you know what we have are different feelings inside and I know that everyone wants to say that we're the same but we're just not the same you know men and women are different and we feel things that a man may not necessarily feel and so what what happens when we have children is that a woman has you know you talk about this like a mom guilt where we feel like we have to do everything and we're kind of held to this standard of I want to do everything for my children. I want to be that superstar mom. I want to be that superstar business person. So how do you compartmentalize those two? Um, how do you keep on track, you know, doing both because it's not easy, but it's also doable, right? But there's a way to do it. How, how do you accomplish that? I, and
1: this is really where I'm passionate because it's, it's, nothing matters but the future of our children, right? And I I see a lot of women who are just walking around exhausted and sad because they put these unbelievably high standards on themselves as a mom and as a spouse and as a business owner, just like you mentioned. And the truth is it's it's really simpler than we, we give ourselves credit for. As human beings, we overcomplicate everything, right? But when it comes to being a mom, there's just a couple of things that can help you with this and you will feel so different inside. One, remembering that they those little ones, and I have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old and almost six-year-old right now. And then my husband has two older boys. So all together we have four, we're busy, right? but remembering that they are absorption machines and they are watching you and how you perform and how you show up and who comes into your life and thanks you. They're watching you. Okay. So that number one, number two, if I spend 30 minutes a day of serious quality time. My two-year-old doesn't know the difference. He's probably screaming in the background right now. He has no idea, but my six-year-old, if I spend 30 minutes of quality time with her a day, just 30 minutes. And, you know, often I do more, but if you just spend that 30 minutes, she is so forgiving and so fulfilled and so happy that she doesn't care if I have to work more that day or whatever, as long as I spent that play time with her. It is amazing when you cut off everything, that means no phones, nothing, and just spend that quality time, how you're, you will see how your kids respond. And it, set whatever time you want, an hour, two hours, it can be more, it can be less, but start with 30 minutes and do it every single day and go from there. Um, number three is getting help. And not be ashamed to get help because you can be a more effective and more powerful mom when you have help. And people, you know, they think of help as, oh, I have to hire someone for 30 bucks an hour or I have to do this, you know, five days a week. You'd be amazed if you just ask. And this is a big problem for women, is just asking because they don't feel they deserve it or are worthy of that help. If you just ask a friend, a family member. Um, Another mom at school, hey, do you want to swap like helping out? Like, hey, I'll take the kids this day and you take them that day. It could be for an hour or two or even hiring someone just to do the laundry for 15 bucks an hour. Your time is valuable and you have to understand that you're worthy of it because it makes you a better mom. Your kids are never going to remember who folded their socks. Okay, what they are going to remember is how you showed up in the world and that you were able to create a lifestyle where you came to their bas- basketball games, you came to their soccer games. That's what they're going to remember. And if you think back as an adult to what you remember from your parents, it's really helpful because you remember the key moments and you remember who they were. Everything else just kind of fades away. And that's based on the relationship you have with your own parents, right? So it is truly just releasing and letting go of control uh, it's a question of worthiness as a parent. And it's a question of, am I setting too high of standards for myself? And if you think, one last thing, if you think of just a few things and write down what would make me feel like super mom, like what would make me feel like I am doing a great job? For me, when I actually wrote those things down, it was actually very eye opening. Because I'm like, what, am I going to cook, you know, an organic meal, every meal of the day that I just brought in from my farm outside and run the business and be a wife and take care of the house? Would that make me a good mom? Like, those were the standards in my head that I was setting for myself. Like, oh, she ate chicken nuggets again. Oh my God, she ate chicken nuggets again. Like, you have to really take it into perspective and say, you know what? I'm doing a pretty good job.
0: Yes. You know, I think what's so um, good for people to understand is that it really is a journey. And at every single level, you have your own issues, you have your own uh, problems. Like when you started in this business of working on your own, you were in your, you know, your young twenties and there's a whole set of issues when you don't have kids that, you know, later on goes away, but then as you continue your journey, more issues come. So even if our audience, if you don't have children right now, what you have to understand when you get into the, the, the world of entrepreneurship is you got to be able to handle those stresses and problems and look at it from a different point of view. Right? So if we, if we dive into this here, I love that you talk about not accepting your life because To me, this is what standalone is all about. It is about, it's not about being alone. It's about being able to carve out the path that you wanna have and walk down in your life. And sometimes that means walking away from what everyone else is doing. And I think this is a very challenging thing for people to do, especially in today's world where you have social media and it can really influence you in ways you wouldn't believe. But for people to understand that that is your first step towards building a great life, you have to first stop accepting The life that you have. What do you mean by this? And for a lot of people to know, like, what are the first steps that you take? Um, In your book, you break down that you don't have to radically change everything all at once and spin your life out of control. Um, But there's a, there's a way that you can like step into it and get more comfortable as you continue. Can you explain number one, why we have to stop accepting our life and then we have to really lead our life? Right, create our own life, our own path. Absolutely. Well,
1: you know, there's many things in life that are easy to do and also easy not to do. And when it's easy not to do, um, we tend to take that path of least resistance because we're conditioned to do that, and it's comfortable. And so I, I always say that the hardest place to to grow from is not when you're at rock bottom, because when you're at rock bottom, you have nowhere to go, but up, right. That old saying, there's nowhere to go, but up. Um, And you have to, you have to, you're forced to when you're comfortable, but not fulfilled. That's a tough place to get your butt moving and do something about it. And the path of least resistance, again, is what we tend to take, but that's, not long-term thinking, that short-term thinking. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna eat that chocolate bar today, but I, but I won't tomorrow, but I'm gonna eat it today. And then you do that the next, you know, 100 days. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, uh, this is affecting my health and my life. It's the same thing, right? So you have to recognize where you're unfulfilled, but comfortable. And just being aware of that Knowing that, hey, I've got these golden handcuffs, maybe, right? Like maybe you're at a job that pays you very well, but they expect so much from you. Recognizing that is huge and being aware. Once you're aware that you're in that level and you're in that position, the first step is deciding, okay, what can I pluck out of my life? And we call this plucking your weeds, right? So looking at what is involved in my life that maybe I could let go of. And you can start small so for some it may be the laundry okay especially as moms and as women we feel like that's our duty we have to do the laundry well maybe you don't what would plucking that out of your life what kind of time would you have so that's a weed that might be in in your life Um, i'll give you an example for us it was school system we were driving 45 50 minutes one way to school for our daughter and that was eating up a lot of time sometimes an hour and a half in traffic we moved that was a big weed that we had to pluck we had to get up sell the house and move but it was a weed and we wrote we wrote down everything in our life that was affecting us in the negative way that wasn't fulfilling and one by one we just started plucking those weeds now where it gets complicated is if the weed is a person it doesn't have to be a person but it may be a person that's close in your life. And there's several ways that you can handle that. If it's a spouse or a family member, it's either having a frank conversation with them and and communicating that, again, this is the mission, this is where I'm going and, and I would appreciate your support. It may be spending less time with that person. It may be proving to that person through results that you can do it and that things are gonna be okay. Whatever it is, just write it down and start one by one, plucking those weeds. If it's your job, make a plan, make a plan. So if you make a hundred thousand a year in your job right now, but it is, it is a weed that you need to pluck because it's draining and sucking the life out of you. Then don't just quit your job tomorrow and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur now, right? Have a plan. How am I going to make that hundred thousand? What uh, what type of sales or what am I going to sell? What company am I going to, to promote? Where, what invention am I going to do? What Amazon product am I going to sell? We mention a ton of these in the book, a t- ton of avenues that you can go, but there's so much out there with the internet these days. If you want to truly have a plan to make $100,000 a year, you can do that, but don't just on a whim say, I'm going to just quit my job and not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is it that, hey, in the next year, I have to sell 150 of this widget to make that 100000 And if I do that, I can retire myself. And if I do that again, I can retire my spouse. What does that plan look like? And when you break it down like that and you start plucking the weeds so you have more time to do that, even while you have a job, things become very clear and you're not building out of fear mode and scarcity mode, or I I'm not going to feed my family next week mode, you're building out of creativity. And that's why you don't want to just stop everything and quit everything because then you're in emergency mode and that you can do it. and, And I've done it. And my husband's done it. We've done it, but it's not truly fulfilling at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And you give a great uh, example. And I love this because um, for your husband with him, he was in a comfortable position working with the government, but then he weighed and he said, like, you know, I had to give up my sweet government benefits, but then he realized I can buy my own benefits. Right. And so I think the reason why you're leaving is incredibly important because if you feel drained at your place of work, and you go to be an entrepreneur, and you think you're going to have more time, you will be even more drained, right? So looking into why we have that draining feeling, and you know, going into the root cause, because if you're staying at a job, just because they give you benefits, is that really, really worth it? And I think those, you know, doing that analysis and taking that time before you make those leaps, I think is incredibly important. So I love that. You know you talk about you know making sure that you have a good relationship with money you know mm-hmm. and i think this is a conversation i do a ton of work on money mindset with my team because the reality is this is something that holds people back on a subconscious level um i see this a lot of time then you see some people gain success but then they drop back down and their you know their finances look like a scary roller coaster ride You know, so what is the role of mindset in terms of financial success? Because we all want that freedom, but if our mind isn't right, we really don't, even if we have money, we won't really feel free. So if you can touch on that for the audience so that they understand you've got to work on this and you have to continuously work on it, like you don't just get it one day and you're like, good, I never have to work on this again. Oh, it's coming.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because you think that it goes away when you make more money and it actually can just magnify, which is what happened to me. Um, So when I was a little girl, my mom, um, you know, I wasn't, she, she wasn't, I won't say she was a a single parent. My dad was in the picture, but he was, uh, you know, married to someone else. And so he was in and out of my life. So I was mainly with my mom and she was very comfortable And all of a sudden, um, she went through a series of health issues and things, and and we lost everything. And I remember, you know, her living in and out of cars, us living in and out of motels, sometimes having like a pack of hot dogs for the entire week, and that's all that we had to eat. So it was stressful as a kid. And I watched someone that I loved and cared about in this beautiful house, um, lose everything and then us not having a security blanket or anywhere for me to call home and i i i translated that as a little girl as don't get too much in your life because you could lose it all and that's the ultimate embarrassment for you and so every time so my my thing subconsciously was not being poor it was the ultimate embarrassment is being wealthy and losing everything after that. And so I would start to hoard money and I fear I, it was like, uh, I put it on this pedestal and whenever I would make it, I would hoard it and hoard it and hoard it. And it was the more that we made, the more stressful I felt. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't figure out why this was happening. And, um, At the end of the day, it was causing stress between me and Ray, me and my husband, because he's a, I want to invest, I want to grow, I want to, you know, all this. And I'm like, no, we have to save, we have to scrimp. And I find with a lot of women, security is very, very important. But if you relate security to hoarding, it's it's unhealthy. And what ends up happening is you create that, which you think about, right? So we started to lose money. And in my mind, I'm like, see, I knew this would happen. It's confirming it. It's confirming it. And what ended up happening is I went to a seminar and we got to ask uh, Tony Robbins a question directly. And I was in an intimate room with him and I said, um, you know, Hey, I, we do very, very well. And it seems the more money I make, the more scared I get of it. And I'm scared to lose it all. And he was like, well, you need to give more. And I'm like, what do you mean? I need to like, do you understand what I just said? Like I, I physically get ill when I give or spend or invest in my, like I physically get ill. He's like, well, then you need to do it more. And you need to attach to that feeling, the feeling of fulfillment and giving. And I'm like, what? And so he told all these stories about when he was dead broke and he still managed to give and then magically money would show up and all these testimonials and stories. And I'm like, okay, I'll test this out, right? i He's obviously a bazillionaire, I respect him. So I started giving more and I started investing in myself more. And, and we started um, you know, automatically doing some things to give and our business literally 10X from that. And I can't explain it to you, but all I can say is, If you are someone who's scared of money or fearful of money, you will only make that which you believe you deserve and you only keep that which you believe you deserve and are worthy of. And so if you don't see yourself as somebody who's going to change the world and serve and give, and you don't see yourself as deserving of that income and that money, You'll start to go down a more negative path, and it could happen where you actually fulfill every prophecy that you've had in your mind from childhood or trauma or whatever that came from. Money mindset is everything. And I actually interviewed 50 different women uh, and men around the world who were very successful billionaires, multi, multi millionaires. And I interviewed them specifically because they weren't just wealthy, they were fulfilled, they were happy. Mm-hmm. And what they said was that they never really made it about the money. And I found that so interesting. It may have started that way, but every one of them said they are on a higher purpose to serve. And to me, I used to think of that as like fluff or like, yeah, they don't really mean that, right? Okay, they say that. No, it is ingrained within them that they are here for a purpose to serve. And when you find that, all of a sudden the money is so unimportant that it just flows to you because it's all energy, right? Money is just energy. And when you respect it, but don't fear it, things start to happen for you. So my suggestion would be if you, first of all, when you think of money, and I say money, write down the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think about it, just write down the first thing that comes to your mind. If it's positive, great. If it's negative, again, the first step is awareness. The second step is literally becoming a different person around that. So whenever, so for me, I'll give you one exercise. When I I used to think of money and, and let's say I'm gonna invest in coaching, okay? And it's a big expense or a big investment, I should say. I used to get physically ill and I would say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Is this really going to work? Am I, am I going to follow through on this? All the things that an abundant person would never say. Right. So instead, what you do is you switch it around in your mind, complete 180. And you say, OK, what would an abundant person say? I'm going to 10x this investment. This is the best investment I'm ever going to make. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so happy with this. I'm going to make so much money. It's ridiculous. I'm so excited about this. And you change your energy and your thought. Every single thought that you have, do that and you will change your money mindset. And it is a big, big deal to start that exercise.
0: Yes, totally. You know, I think, you know, how this just to tie this all together for people to understand that you can never really stop investing in your most prized possession, which is yourself, you know, and for a lot of people, like when you do this, you know, what it will return to you is far, far more than what you can expect. And, you know, there is a magic behind that. What would you say to people for them to understand also that the people that do the best, we invest the most into ourselves. Right. And it's almost counterintuitive because you see people that attend events and that are you know, constantly educating their minds to grow and to push the limits. And you would think like, don't you have enough? Like, when do you stop? Versus someone who doesn't even have and they can't part with $1,000 or something to make that investment. It just seems like so far out there. You know, why do we have to just share this message with everyone that the people that are looking like they have all the answers. We're just constantly seeking out more information and more knowledge. What what could you say on like investing in yourself and how pivotal it is to your success and then continued sustained success?
1: Well, I want to address the elephant in the room, which is that people think when I say this or you say this, oh, they're just trying to sell me something, right? And at the end of the day, if you despise people who are trying to sell you'll never become one of them you'll never become wealthy if you despise wealthy people or people who provide that service you'll never become one of them number one number two um, we do it on a daily basis we invest in ourselves in others and I can give you the numbers it started with $300 um, was my very first investment and that was my entire paycheck That was my entire, like everything I had in my bank account was $300. And I saw this course and I'm like, you know, I feel like I could do that. Uh, I'll just give it a shot. So 300 bucks invested in myself. And that one $300 course I can legitimately say has made me millions of dollars just from learning that knowledge. And remember, money is just energy. And so what we want to do is provide that for other people provide that same value. And when you see it that way, then you have the ability to channel that and be a value to others as well. And that's when the money flows to you. So I want to address that because sometimes people say that and I'm like, you just, you don't understand. You you, you have to look at it a different way. Um, So last year, let's see, this is now almost 12 years later. Last year, we invested almost $300,000 in personal coaching and courses and and events and and different things. Now that is probably for someone listening, like, is she for real? Like that's a huge leap. Remember, I started with $300 and we did not stop and we still won't stop. This year, we'll most likely invest the same amount. We've already started, we're already at like 150. And that's because we've seen how it accelerates our growth. And for those of you on here, your growth, because we can take that knowledge and bring it to you times a thousand. And there is no investment monetarily that I've done, even though we, you know, we take our money and invest it in other things and whatever, but there's no investment that has even come close to the investments that we've made in ourselves. And, uh, and it's just so, so important. And I challenge you to find a mentor or find someone that's successful or has the life that you want, whatever that means to you. I challenge you to find that person who didn't get help and invest in help. And I can tell you that, um, you know, my, my husband back in the real estate days, he'll tell you, and I think he mentions it in the book, that he didn't invest in himself. He thought he could do it all by himself. And you know what? He had some success, but he lost every single penny. He lost everything because, and he says, if I had had a mentor to tell me what to look out for watch out for, my life would have been completely different at that time. And that's how we learned that, hey, we better find people who know what to do so we can get there faster and so that we can learn more to bring that information to the world. So I hope that helps you kind of think about money differently and investing in yourself a little differently and that we, um, we abolish that negative thinking because I used to be that person. I understand it and it never served me.
0: I love this. You know, I think for people to understand that the help is out there, you have to go seek it. And then yes, there you should be fulfilled and happy to pay for it. Right. Because that means that it has value. So I yes. love this. Uh, Jessica, where can people find you like if they want to learn more if they want to be coached to greatness if they are in a situation where they want to test the waters, you know, they want to learn like, um, could I even do this, could I even entertain this, Um, where could they go to find more information to get your coaching services. Yeah,
1: appreciate that. Well, I, first of all, I'm all over social media. So you just search Jessica Higdon and you'll find me there. Um, but our website is higdongroup.com and you can poke around. There's all kinds of free training on there for you um, and, uh, and see what, what would help you out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and we wish you all the best and continued success. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Stand Alone. If you like what you hear, I'd love if you leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me at I am Sabrina Lloyd or at Lloyd Agencies on Facebook and Instagram.